just had word that the CEO of FanHub, Todd Pococha, is about to address a press conference. We'll take you there live. Mr. Pococha, what do you have to say to the thousands of AFL fantasy players who can't access a stable, effective, or useful app? My guest this week is playing in his second season in Deets Elite, while he's second to bottom on the ladder. Uh, this is what happens when you record on a Saturday. Well done Darren Jarman, you're not second to bottom, you're now in the 8. He started the season 0-3, but quickly made it 3-0 after 6 rounds. A high stakes 8 player trade with ACT Avalanche could either propel him back into finals contention, or cement his spot in the bottom four. It's bottom and second to bottom on Talking Deets this week, so sit back, relax, whatever you do, don't take any of our fantasy advice. Please welcome Darren Jarman. Yeah, um, I can hear. What you got playing in the background? Uh, just um, one of my favourite uh, artists at the moment. Oh yeah. Sick. You should hear. Let's just check it out. Yeah, he's got some pretty um, pretty mad flows. Oh just nice. Him off. All right. All right. Uh, how's it going, mate? Not too bad. All right. Well, thanks for being on the um, the podcast. Thanks for having me. All good. You had a smashing win on the weekend, and you went from 11th to 8th. Talk us through it. Well, you've caught me at a good week on the podcast. Um, I would have been pretty down and out last week. So, um, yeah, a bit of soul-searching last week. Sort of tried to, to hit the biggest fish in the in the league with, with a few trades. Uh, Richie's always up for a, a bit of action. So, um, yeah, the big win. Um, a few guys came into form. Let me have a have a look here. I had um, Salem, who's a, a pretty handy pick, um, but Brayshaw was the one really. Uh, I think he top scored for the whole comp um, on one sixty six or something like that. Yeah, he um, went huge. Yeah, three goals, thirty seven possessions, one after the siren at the end there, just to 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 for good measure. And McLean has always been very, very good lately, so he's he's pretty solid. So yeah, a bit of a better performance across across the board. Yeah, I remember um, at the start of the season looking at Brayshaw and thinking, oh yeah, he might step up this year. I had no idea he had you know 166 in him. Yeah, and he he couldn't get a game for the first four or five weeks. I reckon it was uh, something he did uh, to annoy some people there. But yeah, after not playing for the first four rounds or something, I thought oh, I was a pretty dud dud pick up really. But um, getting the genuine genuine midfield time that he's always been uh, wanting. So um, yeah, I think I looked at Brayshaw's stats. He's 116 um, off the last three and 108 off the last five. So and he's a defender too, so that's 
That's good. That's incredible. That's really good. Um, mm. So there were two massive scores of 1,600 uh, this weekend. So uh, the first result, Darren Jarman defeated BMC. Um, Skeet then defeated SSG. ACT defeated um, Feels Bad Man and Mega Lols. ACT scored um, the second highest score by anyone this season with 1,683. Uh, Cheesy Drivers defeated Milky Bar Kids. The Harpies defeated Bob Murphy Fluffers. And in the match of the round, Ed United defeated the John Deers. Yeah, yeah. Another um, uh, tragic loss for the Deers. The season just keeps on rolling down that hill. Um, feels bad. Um, a little bit unlucky there. Uh, 15.50 with a loss to ACT on that whopping score. Uh, I have to be noted this time it was not due to his own coaching failures. He's just a genuine unlucky loss there. Um Jivers, pretty lucky with a 13.61 to get the win. Uh, Harpies, just solid as a rock still. Um, yeah, so some uh, some interesting results there. And it's getting really tight uh, on the top of the table. Um, Harpies and ACT and Ed all at the top. Uh, there's three teams on 16 points straddling between 8th and 10th, so it looks like there's going to be a fight for 7th and 8th spot at the end of the season yeah yeah i was a bit surprised to see um, a few results must have gone my way to end up in the eighth spot um but um it's given uh given the jars team a new sense of uh hope uh, everyone's up and about here at the moment um pretty 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 pumped especially after doing a big deal during the week it'll be interesting to see how that one plays out um but i couldn't be happier with the four results on the the guys i traded in so um yeah, yeah, things are, things are looking a little bit better over at, over at DJRs. And aside from that mammoth trade, there are a couple of ads this week. Uh, Zach Jones, Kieran Jack and Reese Stanley have been picked up again. Um, and a couple of players were picked up after strong weeks. Uh, Harry Cunningham from Sydney and Sean McKernan. But those two both failed to fire. In terms of drops, there's not a lot to mention regarding the drops. You dropped David Armitage. Yeah, I did. That was part of the... Um, I mean, he was woeful anyway. He's, apparently he's gone back to the twos and dominated in the midfield again. So anyone looking for him on waivers, he's, he's there. But... Um, he, uh, I noticed, I watched a bit of the St Kilda game. He, he wasn't playing genuine midfield time. He was looking like a half forward or something like that. Um, so, yeah, dropped him. And that was part of the, the, the thing that got the trade over the line. We are at a bit of an impasse for quite a while. Um, and then I picked up Scott Selwood using a, an RFA position. And um, that uh, caught Richie's attention. And he, uh, he was keen <laughs> on a bit of Scott Selwood. So, um the deal ended up getting over the line. I noticed also the uh, the player I gave, one of the players I gave, Richie Clark, when I looked at his team across the board, the Clark was the lowest score on his team with a 41. Um, and even his bench players scored higher than Clark. So I'm trying to trying to do my bit to take Richie down. But, I mean, look at that score he's got. He's still – who did he pick up off the waiver that was really good? Uh Stanley I got him. Oh, you did pick up Stanley. Yeah, my all I can see on the website at the moment is like ad drop and the names of coaches. I can't see the players. Yeah, that's uh, once again um, Fan think, Hub. Uh, fan Hub letting us down. <laughs> yeah, yep, yep, for sure. But uh, yeah, I'm always worried when Dangerfield plays, like in, in case he's going to explode and knock out 160 plus, and then uh, I'll be be hating it. But He's just been looking like he's plodding along. He always gets to 100, 107 or something like that. I mean, he's yet to really fire and put out a big one, but it's probably coming. Um, it's danger field, but, you know, maybe it's an ablet effect. Maybe it'll carry on, I don't know. Mm, perhaps. Um, I'm just looking as well. 
you lost Jared Berry this week to injury. Oh, did I? Yeah, you've <laughs> got you've got Jared Berry, don't you? Yeah, yeah, he scored yeah, ninety. Yeah. I just didn't pay attention. I thought he would. Uh, he, he must have done all right. No, he got, he's got a hamstring injury, but I don't know how long he's going to be out for. Um, and then also Callum Mills is out with a broken foot for the season. Jack Rewalt got elbowed in the head and might miss a week. Bashar Hawley, um, in a, it's a reoccurring groin injury, so he might miss a couple of weeks. Sandilands had a head clash. Don't know how long he's out for. And Seedsman was a late withdrawal. It's an ongoing adductor injury, so maybe a couple of weeks. But yeah, Barry's out. Yeah, yes. Um, okay, Barry's out. Right, he well, might that's be. good to know. Maybe. I'm, I'm getting the, the news fresh off the, the podcast here. Um <laughs> There's another big breaking news. The Savo was Deledio is out for ten weeks with right. uh, guess what? A calf. Another yeah. calf again. Um, so yeah, a few injuries there, and then there was a suspension as well. Um, I think he's on waivers though. It was the St Kilda um, big man clipped oh, Rewalt. Carlo. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Two weeks. Yeah, right. Yeah, he's been scoring all right every now and then, but um, he has. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Um, and then uh, on the waivers this week, you could uh, you could do worse than pick up Stephen May. Uh, he is there, and Gold Coast have had their buy, and he's a defender, which are tough tough to find. In terms of forwards, uh, Tim Smith from Melbourne, he's averaging 97 after two games. And there's not a lot of options in the midfield. Maybe Tom Papley. Uh, Sydney are playing the Blues, and he does have that mid-status, but Papley's been horrible this season, so I don't know. Yeah, I was just trying to, to bring it up. I had a look at it a bit before... Um... I did notice the Smith uh, only two games and averaging 97 or something. Um, and someone dropped him just before this round uh, to pick up someone else. So I'm uh, not quite sure who that was. I think it was um, the cheesy drivers. Yeah, maybe maybe the drivers will be ruining that drop and be, be trying to pick him up again. Um, yeah, but uh, uh, yeah, I guess with trades, you've got to keep the... Um, the upcoming buys in mind. I actually thought the first buy was this week, but then I looked at it and it's it's next week, so it's all normal this week. Yeah, so uh, all teams are playing this week, and then we head into the buy, um, the buy period, which will be interesting. Um, yeah, I don't know. My usual strategy is to write it out. I don't know if I have that luxury this year, but yeah, we'll see how we go. All right, I'm gonna jump to something called good call, bad call. Are you familiar how it works? Uh, yes. Right. Yep. Okay. I'm a regular listener of the podcast, unlike uh, the drivers. All right, fantastic. Okay, um, the first one is okay. I'll introduce the idea first. So there's now 18 teams in our league. Uh, there's a top six, a middle six, and a bottom six. Um, so good call, bad call. Richmond are a middle six team. Uh, good call. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I've always thought they were um, a little bit overrated, um, and but I mean their form's been pretty good actually early this season. I I keep thinking Richmond are going to drop away, and it's it's uh, they've been a bit lucky, but. I don't know. They they seem to keep performing, um, but something in me still says they're, uh, they're middle six, even though probably uh, the facts are not saying that. Yeah, I tend to agree. All right, number two, Carlton versus GWS at the MCG could go either way. No, I'm still going to back GWS to uh, regain some form on that one. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, this season is pretty much on the line. I'm going to actually go into the game this weekend against GWS, so Crows v GWS. Oh, yeah? Um, uh, so, yeah, it should be an interesting game. Crows will be uh, pretty pretty keen to uh, get back on the, the winner's list after a pathetic performance, and um, GWS seriously need to start winning some games if they're going to keep in this season, so it should be good. Yeah, I think the Crows are going to come out really hard this week. Uh, they should win. Mm. All right, num- mm. number three. I don't know how much you know about the Crows in the 90s. 
Oh, yeah, I, I thought it, but um, what am I, 35 now, so um, 97, 98, probably wasn't, I mean, I was old enough to remember it, but probably not enough to realise how big a feat it, it actually was, but yeah, yeah I, I followed it foot pretty much back then. All right, here we go. This might be one for Nathan Giles as well, listening out there. Um, if the Crows recruited Kernahan, Platten, and uh, Craig Bradley in 1991, they would have won three flags in their first 10 years. Good call. Bradley was extremely solid. Kernahan, a um, bit, bit of a legend, but, you know, uh, pretty funny kicks here and there. Um, he's, uh, I just keep remembering his singing the song after Carlton winning a grand final <laughs> and he just sounds so funny. Yeah, that's brilliant. Um, yeah, yeah. And uh, was it Kernahan, Bradley, and Platten, the right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Very solid. Because the crews, the crews did well to recruit a lot of South Australians for that first year, um, but those mm-hmm. those three were three that stayed with their clubs in Victoria in particular. Uh, all right, number yeah. four. Um, so the last AFL crowd in Tasmania was in round nine, and they had seven thousand people to a game. So good call, bad call. Um, because they had seven thousand to an AFL game, they shouldn't get an AFL team of their own. Um, I would like to see. It's, I think it's a bad call. I think they should get an AFL team of their own, and I think they need to get a team to commit and just be a, a Tassie team. Um, I've got a few mates down there. I'm sure that everyone would get behind it, maybe even a little bit more um, if they had a genuine team, not sort of like a. I mean, what is it that you shared a bit? between Hawthorne and North Melbourne, isn't it, at the moment, with games down there? That's right. Hawthorne are in Launceston and North Melbourne are in Hobart. Yeah, I just think they need a genuine, legit um, team that's that's true Tassie, and they'll get behind it. Yeah, I agree. All right, number five. The Adelaide Crows are one of the top five teams of the past 25 years. So I reckon you'd have to start with West Coast, Hawthorne and Geelong. Mm-hmm. Sydney would probably be up there, I reckon. Yeah, and it's whether the Crows take that fifth spot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're borderline. Um I'll go with good call being a Crows supporter. Yeah. Uh, and number six, uh, for kiss, for the sake of consistency, the West Coast Eagles should change their name to the Perth Eagles. <laughs> no, no, bad call. <laughs> bad call. You've got to keep West Coast. A lot of history there. Some Lots of good flags. Uh, yeah, nah. Right. Bad call. Okay. Um, this part's called the coach catch-up. So tell us how your season's going. Um, my season, okay, yeah. Uh, I think I, I walked away from trade day uh, and, 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 that, and that, that week after trade, it sort of set in um, that I'd actually performed quite poorly <laughs> on trade day and um, didn't really adjust my strategy to the change in positions uh, that, uh, that have happened um, with the one ruck and the extra mid. Um, I heard Nathan talk about it the other day, saying he's, I think it was Nathan, uh, saying he's rocking a, a couple of mid-forwards or something in his midfield, and that's not too uncommon. I've got um, similar things happening, and I think probably a few other coaches do. So the midfield depth is has been majorly tested with the addition of a new position. Um, the I was looking around when I was drafting all these rucks, just thinking everyone else is spuds, so I might as well just grab another ruck. But in, within a week or so, I had to... Uh, you know, it was like, make that decision early in the season. It was a bad call. <laughs> Write it off. Get rid of the rucks. Yeah. And um, and then try and rebuild from there, which I think's, uh, I think's happening. Um, you know, you can do a fair bit of rebuilding from waivers if you if you get lucky. And uh, um, I think I've been doing okay there, picking up a few. And then, you know, we'll see how this trade works out. Um, but I, I looked at my team today, and, I mean, obviously that had a good weekend and most scored well. Um, and, I, and I don't think it's too bad. So I'm, I'm pretty, you know, I'm feeling optimistic this week compared to the last few weeks that I can make it a run at it. Um, 
But, uh, yeah, I was probably travelling a bit better last year, I think. Um, yeah. So, um, I mean, you're smashing out 1600s, but who do you think was your best pickup? Well, smashing out 1600s, that was the first one, and that was my best score by, I think I wrote this down, um, 173. That was my PB this weekend. Um, so it's all been pretty average up until this last weekend, but um, the best pickup, um, I'd have to say... Uh, McLean in the forward line. Um, he's been exceptional. Uh, what's he? 120 over the last three, 118 over the last five. Um, so he's he was um, uh, definitely probably my best pickup. I think Brayshaw is shaping into something something really good. Um, I guess looking at my early season, I think I, I'm, I'm spewing at Bray Crouch. I mean, he played 20 games last season. Uh, there was no talk of osteitis pubis or whatever yeah. from the crow yeah. until after trade day, um, and that is looking appalling. He's uh, he's he's not travelling too well. And then um, what's his name? Liberatore was the big reports out of the Bulldogs that he was back to his his uh, his best footy and uh, getting some good midfield time in the preseason. Up and about, um, and then he did his ACL again. So a couple of early deetings uh, there. Um, <laughs> Um, but yeah I think uh, McRae uh, McLean sorry and I can see on top of that obviously you're affected by the shoey injury yeah yeah he did a hammy in the first two minutes of a game and copped a three or something and then uh, yeah he's been out for a while Um, probably end up having a month off I assume he'll be back for West Coast oh wait you you traded shoey yeah yeah yeah. I got rid of him so shoey who who should be pretty good, really. I mean, West Coast have got plenty that are coming along nicely in the midfield there. Um, but, yeah, that's Richie's uh, headache now. So, um, yeah. And who was your uh, grand final prediction for Deets Elite, the two grand finalists this year? Um, I think the Harpies are, are travelling very well. Um, so I'd probably say, looking at the energy and passion that Richie spends on his team and trades and everything else i'm going to say act yeah. uh, will be in there along with uh, maybe the harpies um and it will miss out this year yeah that's bad news for edge united all right um this is a new segment it's called trivia so i don't know how you are with footy trivia but uh okay first question two weeks ago lance franklin became the second player to kick 300 goals for two clubs Who's the other player that's done it? The other player that's kicked 300 goals for two clubs. And it's in our in our lifetimes. I heard a stat the other day um, that it was Barry Hall kicked 100 goals for three clubs, but that's uh, that's just changing the subject and coming up short. Same um, club. This is the same club, so the player played for the same club as Barry Hall and Lance Franklin. Oh, that'd be Tony Lockett. Yeah, that's correct. All right, um, question two. Where did the Crows finish on the ladder in 1994? Oh... 1994. <laughs> I have a guess at uh, six. Yeah, All right. Um, this is a multiple choice question. So Malcolm Blight came out this week with seven suggested rule changes for the AFL. Now I'm going to give you three of them, but one of them's a lie, and you have to guess which one's a lie. Okay. Okay, this sounds good. So the first. Okay. So A, if you kick over a hundred points, you get a bonus premiership point. Yeah. Okay. Uh, B, you have to. Uh, to paint the behind posts red, and uh-huh. C, to extend the goal square by 5 to 10 metres. Mm, I reckon the false one there is 
C. B. <laughs> so, yeah, he, I think he wants to extend extend the goal square so the kick-ins go right into the middle. Okay, because I, I, I know the logic behind the 100-point one, you know, trying to make the games yeah. more aggressive and scoring, but um, I wasn't quite p- putting that together in my head, the uh, extra. <laughs> it comes up with some interesting play. I think the problem with the 100 points one is if you're playing at Etihad in perfect conditions, you're more likely to kick a score. Yes, this is true, under the roof. Um, yeah, that would definitely advantage those teams for sure. All right, this is kind of part of the trivia, but it's the Who Am I? Um, I was born on the 1st of February 1973, originally from South Adelaide. I was recruited at pick 17 by Footscray in the 92 draft. I made my debut for Footscray in 94 and played 38, games, no, played 38 games there before seeking a trade to the Adelaide Crows, where I played in 1996 wearing the number 9 Guernsey. Other players traded to the Crows that year included Troy Bond, Peter Caven, and Darren Jarman. <laughs> I played nine games during the 1996 season until Robert Shaw under Robert under Robert Shaw until I suffered a knee injury. At the end of the 1996 season, I wanted to change my Guernsey number, as Bruce Linder and Tony Hall both wore number nine for the Crows and both did knee injuries. Chris McDermott offered me the number ten, but I wanted the number five, which was my dad's number. But Matthew Robin was wearing it. Robin was happy to swap for the ten because that's what his dad Barry wore. So I wore the number five for the Crows during the 1997 and 1998 Premiership seasons. Gary- mm, premiership player. Nine, I'll keep going. Uh, uh, Gary Ayres gave me the flick at the end of the 2000 season, five short of 100 AFL games. Wasn't think- Costa. Yeah, that's right. Kim Costa. Yeah, correct. Uh, in um, 2010, I won Men's my- Health Magazine of the- Man of the Year. Men's Health Magazine Man of the Year. He did. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Right. Yeah. Right. Because um, I, I actually ran into his brother. Uh, it, the, the cost, they, they come from uh, Yankalilla, I think. Um, right. Yeah, Dwayne. My mate played footy with Dwayne Costa. Huh. There you go. Um, yeah, Kim, it was good. Yeah, he was. He's like one of those, like, uh, there was like a bunch of Crows players who played in both premierships but didn't really play a whole lot of footy. You know, mm. the Shane mm, Allen's yeah, there was. And Kim Costa's and... I don't know if Troy Bond played much footy, Peter Caven. Anyway, all right. Mm. So there's one question in the mailbag this week. I swear it didn't come from me. Um, <laughs> I, I was worried about this part. <laughs> why did you trade 200 plus players to ACT Avalanche? 100 plus averaging players. Um, so Dangerfield's a 100 plus averaging player. Um, I think, um, if I remember correctly, um, Shuey wasn't averaging 100. Um, Clark. Definitely way off. He's averaging about 70. And who was the other player involved in the trade? Um, Shuey. So uh, uh, Clark, Selwood, Shuey and Ward. For, for Oops, hang on. Cochin, Billing, Salem and Ward for Shuey, Clark, Selwood, Dangerfield. Yeah, so the only one that's averaging over 100 there I think probably would have been Dangerfield. I think, um, I mean, the other gun there is Shuey and I expect him to probably, you, you wouldn't, you know, you'd think he probably could average 100 or maybe a bit more. Yeah. Um, but I think he was at the time. No, he's averaging, um, he's averaged there 79.6. Yeah, so I think that the, the sender probably is a bit uneducated the, um, asking the question. But, um, <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. you got to – I think um, my back line and forward line has been pretty patchy and pretty woeful. And to get a back line guy averaging 100 over recent weeks, Billings, who was a number two draft pick, who, you know, if he can – along with Saints, if he can recapture a bit of form um, – you never know what Billings could do. And if I get my, you know, hundreds out of Cochin and, and Ward, you know, which you could get, I'll be I'll be pretty happy. So 
It's interesting doing a trade, you know, it gives you another something else to watch and something else to look at throughout the year. But I feel pretty good about that one, actually. You know, sometimes you walk away from a trade and you've got that feeling of regret. That hasn't hit me yet. No, it was a cracking trade. I'm really interested to see how it turns out too. Um, yep. All right. So this one's the uh, political issue of the week. Uh, on Talking Deets, we tackle the big issues. And this one's uh, to do with education. So uh, some listeners out there may have heard of one of the more popular TED Talks by Sir Ken Robinson on how schools kill, yep. kill creativity, uh, something that he believes yep. is as important as literacy. Uh, it could be said that the education system is designed for an era when labor was arguably defined by obedience and process. Nowadays, we live in an age when the labor market is rapidly changing. We don't know what the world will be like in 10 years' time, and so how do you educate for that? Furthermore, we've been conditioned to believe that there are two types of people in our society. Put bluntly those that are academically gifted, gifted, and then the rest. So the question should be asked, is the sole purpose of school to create workers or citizens? The recently released Gonski 2.0 advocated for the prioritization of literacy and numeracy in early years, but for more attention to be given to things like critical and creative thinking. So, Darren Jarman, what should be taught at school? Well, I'm, I'm a big believer in... Uh, I'm, I'm from a design and technology background myself. Um, so uh, I'm right into robotics and um, programming um, and that kind of thing, um, which does revolve around problem-solving, critical thinking and that kind of stuff. So I'm all, all for that. I didn't mind Ken's talk. You know, it's interesting to look at the big... Big picture, uh, big picture things. Um, there's even another guy that does one, um, which is looking at, um, you know, AI, artificial intelligence, and automation. He's a big fan of it, and because he thinks, you know, where well, you can get um, artificial intelligence and robots to do all the boring, um, meaningless stuff that humans currently do. And then humans can do um, what we were potentially put on this earth to do. Um, which I don't think you had the answer to that, but um, it was interesting to look at, you know, we all subscribe to this nine to five work and, you know, you get to the end of your life or like I heard a guy speak the other day and he, he was with, um, worked with as a nurse with people who were dying and he said the common regret was working too much. Yeah. <laughs> which, yeah. Um, you know, so getting that work-life balance, uh, but... It's a tricky one, you know, the world revolves around economies and, uh, but yeah, I think Ken's got some interesting points, um, but you're tackling, you're tackling the big issues uh, today, Steve. <laughs> I think it's fascinating the idea that, you know, we can't imagine what the world will be like in 10 years um, and so how do you educate for it? We, we can't, I mean, even 25 years time, what's technology going to do? We didn't know about the internet in the like late 80s, early 90s that it would be what it is today. So, I mean, mm. we're not talking about decades and decades decades away this is you know the next generation so um anyway then yeah. again if you if you completely ignore literacy and numeracy you've got a bunch of people out there who can't you know go to the supermarket and you know work out how much things are and put apostrophes in the wrong place etc but <laughs> yeah it's uh it's a bit of a, a, a challenge like i i I'm, that's why i'm into robotics and that kind of thing because i do kind of feel like programming and coding and robotics and, and things you may have some relevance in, in years to come um, but uh, yeah like I look at my my dad for example um, Sam Sam um, emphasized with this one uh, empathize um, is um, like he grew up on a farm um, when he was 15 I've got a photo of the tractor he was on it was this um, I think it was a Chamberlain it was a 
no cab on it, um, you know, wheat coming down your back when you're harvesting, going deaf because of the noise. And then, you know, you look at the tractor he's ended up driving at the end of his career, yeah. which would be, Sam would be disappointed about this. It's not a John Deere. It's a, it was a Ford Versatile, but right. um, state-of-the-art machine worth five dollars $600,000. Um, and I, I, I think back to when he was driving that shitty tractor, would he have ever pictured the kind of vehicle that he ended up driving at the end of his career uh, and what it would be like? You'd, you'd never have any concept of the, the, how far it's come uh, in a generation. So when we're older, yeah, it's going to be an interesting world to, to see, you know, what the world's going to be like when we, we're getting older. And do you find with your students there are just some students who you can you can teach and then others you sort of need to I don't know how I don't know how to say it you sort of need to find a different way to get to them or some you just can't get to at all yeah I think it, it's got a lot to do with the content and the kind of um, uh, activities that you're providing for your classes to do so by by you know trying to find something uh, that's relevant and engaging um, you, you you know then you're off to a good start. I mean, you're not going to find something that's going to suit everyone, but um, by making the what they're doing, I guess, open and uh, lots of choice in it, so you can, you know, um, direct it down a path that interests you more so, um, I think that's important, um, rather than having sort of closed approach where everyone does quite a similar thing. Um, that's one of the things I went to today was a PD conference about something along those lines about yeah. STEM. You know, it's a new buzzword, um, uh, but a new approach to uh, teaching. I went to the science and math school actually at Flinders Uni, and uh, they have quite an interesting, unique, different approach to their year 10 and 11 uh, subjects than most other schools have, where it's really problem-based learning. So they, they don't sit down in a math class. They don't sit down in an English class. They do... Um, these things called central studies. So one might be, um, one was called, what was it called? Something like um, chaos something. Um, but basically uh, they're, they're a unit of work which is, revolves around the students solving problems. Um, and in that unit they will be addressing some math, some science, some English, and they'll be getting assessed throughout. Mm -hmm. um, so rather than kids rocking up, they, ne they never sit down in a maths classroom, they never sit down in a science classroom sort of thing. So they have multiple teachers um, they can approach and that work with the groups. So I thought that was pretty innovative and different. Uh... And we had some students. Some students speak actually that came from other schools and moved there in year 10 and they were saying, you know, um, they spoke really highly of, of it that, you know, you're, you're not reading from a textbook, you're not working through memorising stuff and for the test. Um, they said their grades were better at their old school but um, that was from doing the, the more traditional sort of type of stuff yeah. but they're really happy with being at this school which challenges them more and, and is a different way of learning um, and gives them the skills it's just more probably university um, related which is you know problem solving and, and researching and, and working a bit more independently yeah I find it really interesting that uh, certainly sounds a lot different to what I experienced at school um, but yeah all right having a look at next week's matchups uh, this is the last round before we go back to the round one rematches uh, so you're up against skeet uh, yes yes up against skeet so I did have a quick look at that um, I don't think he's um got too many issues as far as what's his what's his injuries and things like that he's probably not not traveling too bad as far as the details go i mean he's picked up a few duds in trays what's it um the sydney player kieran jack um or hanabry no nah, hanabry yeah yeah 
he's not really firing. Um, just looking at Skeet's team here at the moment, actually. He's got um, Sicily, Laird, yep, and Ryan in the back line. So three very good there. He's got Ablett back. Jack Stephen had a good week last week. So he's hot and cold. If he gets tagged, he's uh, not too flash, but he was very good last week. Kennedy, nothing too flash this year. Gibson he picked up from the Crows. I think Gibson might have went a ride on the weekend from scores. Um, his four line is probably his biggest weakness, I would say, and that's probably an indication of bringing in Sean McKernan um, there. Uh, Barlow, what a pick. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That's got to be heartbreaking. That was an early pick. Yeah, I don't know what to say. Yeah. I still I still think he might come back. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, you know, How? he... If he hits the waivers and, and works his, his trays, I mean, he, he may. Tim Kelly's been a great pickup. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Um, and just looking, uh, it's the Canberra Derby between ACT, Avalanche and SSG, both at opposite ends of the table, but anything could happen. Uh, BMC versus John Deers, another 11th versus 12th match this week, but I reckon I've got the edge, to be honest. Um, well, you did a couple missing um, from Port and Gold Coast, didn't you, on the weekend? Yeah. So you might have a few back. Yeah, I'll have a few back. I'm pretty, yeah, I should be right. Um, there's also a trade there for John Deers if he wants it. Um, so I'm trying <laughs> to get Dustin Martin and George Hewitt off him for Ben Ronk and some other person who's probably not very good. Bud. <laughs> he'll, uh, he'll say no to that. Um, feels Bad Man Omega Lols is playing the Milky Bar Kids. Uh, Cheesy Drivers is playing the Bob Murphy Fluffers. And one versus two, Edge United versus the Harpies. Mm, big game, one versus two. That is that is a big battle. Harpies had the um, chance to go first. And, yeah, and, and Cade Simpson's back to form last week, so he's uh, back on. He's got the old Heath Shaw rocking in the... It's an old back line. Cade Simpson, Heath Shaw and Luke Hodge. Um, that's yeah. a pretty boost of the average age of the team. We all laughed on draft day, but now he's mm. laughing. Um, yeah, yeah. He's got that ruckman that I one of one of the three ruckman that I originally picked up. Um, yeah, so he's he's done well out of Callum Sinclair. Um, I remember on the day when I did draft Sinclair, um, Ed was pretty pissed off because he was eyeing him off, and um, <laughs> there's really no reason for me to pick up a third ruck. Yeah, yeah <laughs> but he got his man in the end. Yeah, he did. That guy. Um, all right. Well, that pretty much wraps it up for me. Is there anything else you wanted to say? Um, no, that's that's it. Uh, that's about it, really. Um, let me just check. Yeah. No, that's right. about it, mate. I'm loving the podcast. Good work with that, by the way. Oh, thanks very much. And thanks for coming on. Oh, yeah. Just one more thing. Um, any clues to the special guest that's coming up sometime soon? Probably no more clues, but if he's listening... Uh, we're very much looking forward to uh, having him on. There you go. Right. There's your clue. Cool. It's a him. <laughs> no dramas. All right. No worries. I'll catch you later. See you, mate. Thanks for tuning in. You can now reach us at Talking Deets on Twitter. See you next time. Sorry, what was that, Nathan? You don't like my voice. You refuse to be interviewed with the commissioner present. You're going to stab me in the back? What? That hurts, man. But just remember, it's not about the voice. It's about what it says. And this is what it says to you. So, yeah. Don't want me in your interview? What? Like I get stuck into you? Bro, is it something that I did to you? Like I stole a good mid from you? Then you go and say you're going to stab me in the back. More like spend another G at Strats. 
Even here, in your breakout year, you scored less than ski If you check the stats, few lucky wins, now you're acting mean But you're the worst franchise that the league has seen Damn, where do I begin? Five years straight without a finals win And the audacity to attack the ski when I've won every league that you compete in You know my history, I'm the righteous sufferer You just an expert porn hub bufferer You don't wanna fuck with ski coin Why not? Cause ski coin will fucking beat you Said you don't wanna fuck with ski coin Why not? Cause Rory Laird will fucking kill you I got D's for years till I got that star But it healed up all the prelim scars The lost GFs with the painful scores Shit you ain't never even felt before Cause the lowest of the lows for a ski to team Is still higher than the highest place you've ever been Worst thing about that for you Is even then there's a big gap in between And draft recap you were dissing me Wasn't that about James Sicily So go ahead y'all can't say shit to me And a hoppy ain't nothing but a bitch to me I said you don't Wanna fuck with Ski Coin? Why not? Cause Ski Coin will fucking deeds you. Said you don't wanna fuck with Ski Coin? Why not? Cause Rory Laird will fucking kill you. I mean, shit, Nathan, I gave you everything. I gave you Ed Langdon. I gave you relevance by letting you call yourself a rival. I gave you mass media coverage through all your bad years. Which I guess are just all your years. Shit, you wouldn't even exist without a ski. Literally. <laughs> to be honest, I'm also pretty good at buffing Pornhub. All statements correct as of May 19, 2018. I'm just playing harpies. You know I love you.